sometimes the pre pre market show can be very productive putting together the content for the show. And other times it could be like today, Looney Tuesday. I'm not sure what's going on with these guys, all the songs they're singing, but uh, we did put together some good content. We're going to talk about China. We're going to talk about Turnaround Tuesday. We're going to find out if that dip yesterday was the dip to buy for the week. Mitch, you're in control. Roll that intro. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, as opposed to Monday, where we started out in the red and we never got green. Uh, we've been green for most of the pre-market session, uh, trading up 10 and a half handles at uh, 39.8075. Caught a bid right below the close. That's always a good thing. So let's protect that on any downside. On the upside, you know, that, there's no number at 4,000, but you all know I'm going to say we got to get back over 4,000 again. Pre-market high just out of that at 39.90 and a quarter. Uh, we have the buck in the red by 33 cents, a volatile day yesterday. TLT, just a quiet rally, up 20 cents, 103.39. Doesn't seem like the Fed heads are having too much of an effect on the TLT. Crude, big old rebound yesterday, up a buck 70 at 78.94. Oil stocks did not participate yesterday. They are a little bit today. Uh, gold up 1480, 20. You have silver in the green, 2148 up 35 cents. Uh, Bitcoin, I think this thing is stuck at 16.3, but uh, got a lot of resistance here at uh, 16.5. And what else do we have here? Uh, Ethereum futures, um, they are trading in the green as well by $44 at 11.9750. Uh, Triple D, Mitch, how are you guys doing? I I, uh, I hope I didn't embarrass you with that intro, but uh, Dennis, you didn't get to sing yesterday uh, because Tim didn't come on. Uh, you're know. sure making for it today. I was disappointed I didn't do the bushwhacker dance. Come on, we'll, we'll, man. We'll find some way to entertain you guys here today. We'll find some way. But what is entertaining today, Joel, is the China stocks. They're very entertaining. And is this market now just go with China? Is this where we're at? China up, our market's up. China down, our market's down. I mean, this is the catalyst. This is why the S&Ps are rebounding at least slightly here this morning. This is what is mm -hmm. driving the bus here today. It's all China. Mm-hmm. And today, uh, of course, announcing the first decline in the daily COVID infections for more than a week on Monday. Wow. And this just comes out today. Wow. Perfect timing, right? Perfect timing. Some they would say. To, they, they know how to tell their numbers. Yeah, that's definitely one thing that we've always talked about, right? China's auditing process. Uh, but uh, even, even on the COVID numbers. Yeah, it seems like even on the COVID numbers, they, they have a good audit process. Billion cases around the world. There's none in China, though. But it seems to me like one of the things that this shows me a little bit is that if the market can get driven by so much of the china stock action then maybe we don't really have this you know rip and rally bull market coming back into the all-time highs type of market maybe this has just been what we think it is and maybe this is a dead cat bounce and we're here stuck between a range i think we're stuck between a range between 400 and 390s on the spy for a while now i don't know how you guys see the markets but i can see a range bound type of trade till the end of the year um, I think so. I think, again, approaching these markets, and forgive me for the long COVID, uh, approaching these markets, it's just a uh, chop fest, and it's going to continue to be a chop fest. So, you know, yesterday, you're like, oh, here we go, you know, you're selling, and then, no, there's no follow through, and then we rally here today. So I think you're just fading all moves, but I don't see that catalyst, like I said before. 
it's hard to really find the catalyst. It's just like the driver to drive us higher, but it's also kind of hard to find the catalyst. It's just going to tank us here too. We're, you know, we're going to be dependent on the next CPI data, which is coming out in basically two weeks. But, you know, until then we have a few cloud earnings this week, but we're kind of getting out of, you know, the tape bomb season. We're kind of getting out of that. So I think you're right, Mitch. I think if you're fading, that's how you're trading. That's how it's what's been working in 2022. And I think that's what continues to work in 2022. And don't, I mean, Fed speak, uh, you had uh, Bullard, uh, Bully yeah. in the market yesterday's. Yeah. Um, you got Jerome Powell speaking tomorrow. Uh, but you're right. I mean, we're, we're out of earnings season. Uh, China, it seems, I mean, I don't, it's not even December 1st. I mean, we can't start talking about holiday markets yet, right? We haven't even ended uh, November yet. Uh, Yesterday was, you know, it was like, where were the bulls going to step up? And there was really no reason for them to step up early. Uh, They let it get into a little bit of last week's week's range. But I think today's an important day. Um, Mm -hmm. I think if we can hold yesterday's low, uh, you know, maybe close right here, or tack on another 20 points, make that other run back and get over 4,000. So uh, important, important Tuesday. Let's see if we can just uh, just hold on. You know, hold that low from yesterday. We got some green on the screen I'm looking at. Uh, really no tape bombs yet. Uh, oil up kind of helping things. Dollar wheat kind of helping things. So let's see. Let's see if we can stay, you know, comfortably above last week's low. Oh, and set this. And I think, and I think, just to interrupt Joel because Comcast is interrupting anyways. I I think you just continue to be in this market where the chop is the way to play it. And again, mm-hmm. if you're chasing moves, that was 2020's playbook. A little bit of 2021's playbook. It has not been 2022's playbook. Like I mean, people want to go to their scanners. What's breaking out? That's what I want to buy. But breakouts have just turned into fake outs all over the place. Chasing moves hasn't worked as well. Yeah, we've had some sustained moves in the value names for a little bit here. But now they start rolling over yesterday. It's a tricky market to be a momentum player in. It's a contrarian market. The other thing I will say is this market is tricky because if you're doing any type of risk control on swing trades, like giving yourself 2 3% stops, there's so much chop. You're getting stopped out of everything. You know, that's where, you know, it's almost like you got to a little bit, not throw caution to the wind, never throw caution to the wind. You want risk management, but you've got to understand that you got to maybe widen those stops a bit in this type of market because everything is just choppy. I mean, there hasn't been like these, you know, nice, smooth moves. It's always got a pullback. There's always some chop. Same thing on the downside. You know, you think, oh, yeah. I'm just going to short Carvana and, you know, make money. But there's been some ridiculous rallies in there, too. So it hasn't been that easy either. So, again, contrary in markets, you kind of got to widen your stops a little bit. You got to be fading the move so you're getting in at better prices, meaning you're not buying one way. All of a sudden, you know, Disney, when it comes out with the good Iger news and rallies up 10 bucks, it's like, yeah, this is the time for Disney. No, it's not. It's another sell the rip opportunity. Disney's come halfway back. I mean, this is just this market. The the moves in both directions for the last little while aren't sustainable. You gonna hit him, Joel, or should I? <laughs> no, no. I mean, we talked to I, that Disney. Um, I don't know. I I, I made my claim yesterday. I till it gets back over a one hundred and one, you know, and able to hold that. Uh, maybe get a gap fill in here. I don't know. I just, I, it just seems like they're, they're kind of flailing here and I, not real, uh, any clear direction, what Iger is going to do, what the difference yeah. between Iger and Jacob it's going to do. I know they got some movies coming out and stuff. And, you know, the other, you know, Dennis, you talk about the recession. I mean, and you know, if that you know comes to place, I think Disney is going to be, one of the hardest ones hits, and then just going back, the thing is the same place where it was in 2016, and we've had one hell of a bull market. So um, I'll take I'll take the neutral to bearish train on it, and uh, you know I'll go up against your you know your bullish thesis. And again, I mean, people put words in my mouth here. They're oh yeah, you're bullish Disney, bullish Disney. I'm trade I've been trading Disney to a certain extent. Yeah, long term. I said ten years from now. 10 years, not 10 days, not 10 minutes from now. 10 years from now, 
I think you're going to like the Disney purchase. I think we're going into a bloody recession. I never said anything about Disney going to 110 imminently here. I did uh-huh. not say that. I don't know why the chat's saying that. I don't know why you're saying that. I said went to 101. I said I'd be a seller of the rally. So I said I'd like to buy it on pullbacks down at 90. I didn't get filled on the 90. It went to 102 the next day. So, I mean, people just make stuff up or they hear what they want to hear half the time. But what I'm trying to say is if I believe, and I've said this, I absolutely believe we're going to a recession in 2023, it's probably not the best idea to just be loaded up on Disney. That's why I have a half-sized position. I've got to own something in the long-term portfolio. I can't right. have 100% cash. You know, because if I have 100% cash, I'm wrong. I get punished severely because everybody else gets rich without you. And that's not good. That's what causes inflation. That's what causes purchasing power to go down. So you can't just have 100% cash. You've got to have some stocks. I have a half-size position in Disney in the long-term account because I think there's good value here. I think it's a good metaverse play. I've said all that stuff. I'm not talking about 10 days from now. I didn't say anything about a trade on Disney here. I said I would buy a pullback. And, you know, that's where, you know, so anyways. I'm, I if anybody take- was talking about a trade yesterday, it might have been, it would have been, I'll put my hat in there. Um, I was looking at Disney for a trade and Netflix for a trade, but I talked about it with it too. I said that Netflix needed to get going, right? Um, that's one thing that I've been looking for is the relationship between Netflix and Disney coming into play. The big part of that is Netflix's gap towards the upside that I see that it eventually could fill. Um, so I've been focusing on that Netflix chart for a while now, looking to see when we're going to get back above 300. And so that's probably going to be when I'm, I, I like Disney. When it's hard get to Netflix do all to those though. That 300. I'm long Netflix too in the wife's account. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's still hard to come in here and say, yeah, you know, Netflix is a buy here at this point in time. You know why? Because it's right a hundred bucks. Yeah. We're in this market where there's just not sustainable moves. We're not in Kansas anymore. We're not in this market where stocks that go up 100% go up 200%. Stocks that go up 100% go back down 50% half the time. I mean, this is the kind of market that we're more than half the time. This is the kind of market that we're in right now. It's what I'm trying to tell you. Just like the S&P rally this morning. I don't know what the hell just hit the tape here in the last few minutes. But the S&P rally is just, we just lost another, what, 15 handles here, Joel? Just like that? Boom? Boom? Uh, Yeah. chasing moves so again let's stop and let's analyze the trading strategies for 2022 the playbook for 2022 is fading everything right now not even fading just you know the rips but it's been buying the dips and selling the rips we've said that probably a thousand times on this show in 250 episodes we say it like every day if you're buying the rip if you're shorting the dip you've been getting killed in 2022 contrarians are winning in 2022 contrarians go against the immediate move they're saying because the stock was up four bucks it's probably going down two tomorrow that is what continues to work that is the playbook for 2022 it's not playing momentum it's not you know just jumping in everything that's going up because then the rug pull happens Mm -hmm. and the momentum subsides so i mean there's obviously different types of momentums or different types of strategies for different types of markets and, you know, I've been trained 22 years professionally. I can tell you when we're in a contrarian market, and we are in a contrarian market. Even though the value has had a nice month, this has not been like, oh, yeah, all the value stocks just killing it. There's been a lot of ridiculous sell-offs here, too. I mean, if you just go back to a month and a half ago, the Dow was in the gutter. You know, we, we, so we've had a good rally here. Mm-hmm. Do I want to come in and buy all these value names now? Am I coming in here like Kramer last night saying, buy deer now? It just yeah. rallied a hundred bucks in a That's month off. and a half, in a, and we're probably going into a recession. So yeah. just cool, cool yourself. You don't have to buy stocks every single day unless you're a day trader. Day trader, you got to buy and you got to sell and you got to make your money. But if you're a longer term investor, pick your spots, pick good opportunities, pick you know where you want to be, and go from there. Don't just yeah. jump in because you have to swing. You don't have to swing at every pitch. That's I why. Think, it's, go I ahead, think, Joe. No, I was just going to say, you know, we, that, that's why I'm like, I'm, you know, getting, getting cautious up here uh, for the year end rally because we've, you know, we rallied over 500 points. We you know, no. we, maybe it already happened. Yeah. yeah. We rallied 500 it. points off that low. I mean, 
you know, that was a really, really nice rally, 3,500 over the psychological 4,000. Yeah. And I just, you know, I just, where's the, where's the base going to be? I mean, it's going to have to build a base up here, you know, to rally from. And that's why I'm just kind of sticking with, you know, already with the price action from uh, yesterday, you know, my levels have turned, have turned negative on the week and, you know, for the, and, and they're going to have to rally some, you know, we're going to have to have a 30, 40 point handle rally to get back on the positive for the week. So, um, you know, I, if you're looking for the year end rally, I, I don't, I just, it could happen. Yeah. If you're trying to call markets a three weeks out, four weeks out, you're doing it wrong here too. Mm-hmm. You're definitely doing it wrong. If you're trying to predict a random walk market, we are in a random walk market. Nobody knows what's happening tomorrow. Nobody knows what's happening the next day. That's why day trading is kicking the crap out of every other strategy. It's why my day trading account is up so much this year and my investing account is down this year. It's why. Because you can see the momentum coming in on a daily basis and you can pick your spots on a daily basis. But tomorrow is a completely different day. There's no follow through in anything. So, I mean, you're putting on a swing trade and you're like, yeah, yeah, this is the time. And, oh, you know, your stock goes up 10%. You're like, yeah. And then all of a sudden falls 10% the next day. You're like, what the hell just happened? Because we're not in this nice swing trading environment. We're not in this investing environment. We're in a day trader's paradise here right now. Day trading is killing it in 2022. Take the profits when you got them. That's how you make money in 2022. Another thing I think to keep in mind that you're stating here is that right now it seems like we're starting to get into a sideways stage, right? There's stages that we do get those little bounces up in the spy. And now you're starting to see what? More sideways action. When is when there's no trend, it's going to be very hard to find consistent patterns. Oh yeah. To find consistent trades because at the at the end of the day, that's what you're getting. You're getting sideways consolidation right now. It seems like from around, I mean, you could do it maybe above 400 towards the 390s. And it seems like today we, we want we might come back. And there is a kind of uh, daily or weekly trend line you guys can draw. That I I put the spy pullback somewhere between 393s at 392s, and then we could still come back for 400 because we've made about like two big runs there. I still could see us running to 400 but does that mean we're we're in for 410s 420s i wouldn't be even that far to say that we could go that far so i think we're going to be stuck in this range where we'll get the downturn then we'll get another maybe 400 turn then another pullback to 390s we could very much be here till the end of the year sounds like a lot of good trading opportunities here mitch and not so much long-term investing opportunities here 100 percent, and that's i mean that's just the kind of market we're in 2020 was like this market where everything pulled back and then you bought the dip and you're like just killing it. And you know, my long-term investing account just killing it in 2020. And you know, my swing trading account just killing it in 2020. I haven't done hardly any swings in 2020 because you hold something for two, three days and then it turns on you. You know, you could ca- you could have caught the value rally and there's been some opportunities in energy stocks. But overall, it's just been choppy. Very choppy. And the day now- trading is really good. Like ch- choppy works for day trading. You're like getting in. You're getting these little momentum moves, these wicked little six, seven percent moves intraday sometimes, or you know, overnight. You know, and you know, I like my overnight trading, but holding anything for three, four days right now, it just seems like there's just not that follow through. And maybe well, we're going to change in 2023. Maybe we're going to go into a bear market, like a full bear market. But this isn't even really a bear market right now. It's just a choppy market. So we were in the full bear market for the first part, where it was very easy on the short side, just selling every rip. You were making money and everything. But now value stocks rally substantially. You've had a separation. You've had some wicked tech stock rallies. You know, Unity's up almost 80% from the lows. There's been some wicked little rallies in here too. So, I mean, just trading, it's moved on to just choppy markets. And it's moved on to a day trader's market. That's what this market is right now. All right, let's go and we'll check out to see if maybe the retail stocks are starting to give up some of their gains that they've been having. Let's go to Hibbit Sports. Uh, Q3 EPS at $1.94, missing the $2.47 estimate. Sales at $433.2 million, missing the $445.73 million estimate. Hibbit sees full year 23 EPS at $9.75 on the low end to $10.50 on the high end versus the $9.66 estimate. Um kind of stock that they like on pullbacks here but i like it down like 60 i don't know about a 62 
Yeah. Just dick. It could be another choppy one too. This is thinner though, so it's hard to like make a call on something that's trading nine thousand shares mm-hmm. in the pre-market, Joel. I mean, but this is the kind of stock that they've historically yep. kind of bought on dips. So I wouldn't be selling in the hole here. I think I want to see some stabilization, and you never know. But you know, the earnings weren't great, so you never really want to buy stocks on bad earnings. I like that lower $60 area too. A uh, little gap to fill too, going back to 60.29. And then you had a con two lows in that same area, just above 60. Only, like you said, 9,000 shares and they whooped it up for uh, already five points. But uh, that's what I'm looking at. Uh, have to agree with you there. Coming back on the upside, um, you got a long ways to go to get to the uh, 66.46. Uh, that would be the uh, bottom of yesterday's range, and also if you want to look like longer term, if this is a you know if this is a real turn in the, the stock, and, and you're going to get a real solid retracement, uh, you went to, to what sixty yeah forty to you know you could be going back to the fifty five uh, fifty six area and taking back half of this move. But uh, for today, we'll be looking at support at the sixty dollar level. All right, we'll get out of Hibbit Sports. We'll go to the next stock here. Just give me one second. There you go. Dogs out of here. Let's go into the next one. This is why uh, Joel was calling us out this morning. Uh, Why not? Have a little fun. With Billy, 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 Billy. Good singer, man. Watch it now. Watch it now. Hey, Wooly, Bully. Hey, we're going to keep it going. Let's go right here. Pre- Willie Billy. You guys know it. All right. Let's Daddy keep going. Daddy. I'm <laughs> you saw. That's why I paused it. I wanted to catch hearts. this. <laughs> and Willie Jaw. Terrible. All right. Well, uh, the voice. That's a long COVID right there. Singing That's the COVID voice. Instead like of American the voice. American Idol. We're going to do a COVID new show. Voice. Long COVID. Who sings the best when they got long COVID? It's me. <laughs> Your internet Let's never go. goes out when you want it to. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, what's the new? We got, we, we, All we right, got let's get the numbers. Lost, Billy, Billy. Yeah, EPS at a Billy, loss of 63 Billy. cents. Beat the loss of 65 cents. Sales at 814.5 million. Beat the 797.03 million estimate. And it looks like Billy Billy is up today. Surf's up, guys. Let's go. China's up too. So surf's up, tides up. Billy Billy is up. Okay, earnings. 1388. 15's like the rock of Gibraltar up there. So if you're buying this thing anywhere in the 14 handle, I think you're doing it backwards, but that's just my opinion. Maybe get some follow-through. I mean, this thing at one time showing you how bad this bear market has been. $157 back when everybody had to own everything in February of 2021. It went close, went out the board at 12 bucks yesterday. So that's a nice 93% pullback here. But stocks go from 150 to 13. Usually don't go back to 150 anytime soon. Um, I'd be fading this thing at 15. I think everyone's uh, stuck on I, Billy. I'd lay it a little bit more. Yeah. If this can hold 14 and has really uh, been impressive at 14, 1422 uh, was a daily high. That coincides with the uh, the pre-market high. So first yeah. things first, let's get through that. And then I'm not seeing much at 15. I see another daily high. At uh, 1547 million shares have traded. So, um, you know, look for a day like Pin Duo Duo. I mean, that over the place. Tried to give some back, but really didn't. So, you know, once, you know, these stocks, they, they made the turn. I would not be shorting it by looking at uh, next target on the upside would be that 1547. Yeah, we'll see how the other China stocks react. Uh, of course, they're having a little bit of a bounce. JD getting a little bit of a gap up today. So uh, we'll see what happens with that one. It's so hard to trade that chart, too. Like yesterday, we liked it on the daily, but the action of it gapping around would be, it'd be tough for me even to trade, uh, seeing that gap up now. It was a wild stock. Yeah, it's a wild stock. I trade it sometimes. I pair it with JD. I pair all these things, you know, you got the belly belly, but the JD and, and PDD do pair up pretty well together. The Bob and the Bai do usually pair up pretty well together. So I pair trade those things, but trading those things just on their own with the overnight risk, it's tough, man. You don't know what yeah. the next headline is. 
Are they gonna are the cases gonna go up? Are the cases gonna go down? Are they gonna go to lockdown? Are there gonna be more riots? Are they reopening Macau? Those are all the questions you gotta ask, and I don't have any answers for any of them, so that's why I pair it off. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough for sure. Let's go to the next one here. Uh, we got a pre-announcement here from United Health Group as they're announcing their full year 22 revenue outlook here. Uh, $324 billion versus $323.32 billion. Uh, they did lower slightly their adjusted EPS guidance. Uh, they're still meeting the high end on their high end range. It's 2205 versus a 2203 estimate. And they also uh, did kind of a similar move here with their full year 23 revenue. They put on the low end 357, 360 to the high end versus 352. So there's a little bit of mixed signals here in their EPS, but the revenues look good here for United Health Group. We'll see what happens to these stocks. They had a nice little pullback. Looks like it's already been running since then. Do you still like these? Um, the, again, lower beta. Works well in a recession. That's all there. The trouble is this thing's sitting up near all-time highs still. So I just don't want to own stocks at all-time highs. I know in 2021, I own all the stocks that are at all-time highs. just hasn't worked out well in 2022. Um, we, we pulled back. We had a dip down to 523. And then the money manager's like, oh, my gosh, health, United Health's down 9 bucks when they're getting not United Health down 9 bucks, And they're coming in and buying it back up. So... I think it's. I don't think it's going to go back down to 523. It's a stock that every money manager doesn't own but wants to own. So you get any significant pullback, you probably do find buyers. But it's kind of you know it's not very. If you're looking at a chart, it's moved up from 400 back a year ago up to 530. It's not like I don't see the easy path to 630 on this thing. So I think it's just a nothing burger. I think I'm out. Not making a call on it. Uh, five four. 40. I would keep an eye on that, whether you're bullish or bearish. Last two highs are surrounding it from the last two sessions. It had big drop to 500, you know, a choppy rally. You're eight bucks away from that. So I think really, if you're looking for more on this one, you got you to get this 540 bid here and then challenge your, your, next, uh, your next daily high. Coming back on the downside, it looks kind of, I'll call 532. If you don't hold 532, that splits the lows from the last two sessions. I see some more downside here, but yeah, too. You know, you had the break. Oh, we're coming back. One down. Now we're back. Monthly resistance. I mean, just above 550. I mean, that has been like when you had a monthly high here. Well, that's 526.98. But what was last month's high? 558.10. And then this month's high is uh, 555.69. But big roadblock uh, getting through 540 for UNH. Hard to find support if you take out those parallels from Friday and Monday. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna switch over to uh, I'm gonna get off this Chrome and I'm gonna I'll be right back. I'm gonna come back right, in. Joel's gonna try to fix his internet issues. No again. worries, hop out. Joel. Like we I said, we're this. all shorting Comcast rip because this no is worries. What you get. I'll give you guys a ticker there that not many people watch in healthcare plans. You guys know I always like to look at uh, like different stocks in that industry sure. to see if there's anything that's setting up here. I like the CNC. Uh, this is one that I've never traded before. I don't know if you have, uh, Dennis. But, yeah, I trade uh, it. Yeah, CNC looks like a nice little setup um, on the daily chart. You kind of have like this bearish pattern, but if it can get above here going in towards 86.90, it's going to be looking really good. Monthly chart has a nice support around the 80s. So another level to watch for, of course, monthly highs. My man Joel would kill me if I didn't mention the 86.61. Uh, so look to see if we can get through that point and then just continue going towards the 90s. This doesn't look too bad here. It also has a little bit of a gap up to fill eventually. I'm looking to see if we can get towards that 95 where there's a gap up here. And so it's not a bad one to watch. I also like CI, Cigna. Um, so if you're looking for ones that look like better charts, look for maybe some of these to continue their strength. Uh, you know, U UNH uh, is kind of the slower one of these. And the, re the way that I look at that also is I take a look sometimes at just RSI daily. Yeah. And you can see the RSI daily on this one is down towards the low end of these stocks. Like Humana is very similar. And you can see that chart doesn't look that great. But the higher end RSIs is like CNC, uh, some smaller ones. And then you get CI, Cigna right behind that. So those seem to be like the leaders in relative strength at the moment. There, I got you, Joel. 
Um, and you can share your charts if you'd like, and we can okay. go back to those. But yeah, so CNC uh, is one that I would keep on watch. Well, j just for an update, they uh, they're coming out on Thursday. I told them enough is enough already. So I'll be battling Comcast on Thursday. Morning. It sounds like uh, pocket loss. I thought they were coming on to the show on guy. Thursday. I was like, I'll rip them up, yeah. Joel. You you bring them, I'll rip them. Oh, yeah, we'll rip them. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead. We'll get out of United Health. We've had a good conversation so far. We've talked about China stocks a lot, some retail hibbit sports, of course, our lovely Billy Billy moment. I hope you guys enjoyed that. So definitely smash the like. Now let's go ahead and we can get towards our guests in a few minutes. Uh, looks like we'll have David Trainer joining us in just a few moments, founder and CEO of New Construct. So excited to talk about that. Uh, let's take. They, they all want to talk BNS because they know I'm long it, and it did have earnings. So maybe all we right, let's go towards Bank it. of Nova Scotia. Not really a, a stock that I covered, so I don't even have the earnings. So give me two seconds, and I'll pull it for you. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm still. I held it through the earnings report. <laughs> it's in my long-term account. It's a double-sized position. I bought it because a lot of the banks had rallied, and Bank of Nova Scotia hadn't rallied. I probably I bought it in the Canadian dollars, but it's probably about forty. Eight-ish, I bought US 47 and a half. I'm up about 10% net. So whatever that adds up to 47 and a half, up to 53. Um, they did report earnings. It is down slightly in the pre-market. Mm -hmm. Again, very light volume, only 5,700 shares are traded. So not reading too much into it yet. Lower beta name, nice dividend, 5.82%. I mean, I think I'd want to dip now to get in it if you were looking to get in this. Uh, I'm sticking with it. I got to own something. So, and I do think that the bank stocks if you're going to recession. It's going to suck, but I do think the bank stocks been holding up well. So I'm sticking with this one. All right. I'll give you the numbers here. Their EPS came in at a dollar 55 versus the estimate. It beat the estimate of a dollar 46. Then their revenue missed here. It was 5.73 versus a estimated at 6.02 billion. So just like missed there, about 4.73% on the revenue and a beat on the EPS side, about 6%. If you want to trade the Canadian banks, there's like five of them here that trade, obviously, on the U.S. exchanges. RY is the biggest one, Royal Bank, CM, CIBC, Bank of Montreal, which my wife worked at for a decade. I still have a huge position in that from her employee purchase plan. BMO is that one, Bank of Montreal. Bank of Nova Scotia, we just talked about BNS. And TD is your other big one of the big five. Um, and so those are your Canadian banks. I pair trade all those things all the time. But we'll long base. BNS looks like it's got good support in the lower 51 handle. I've seen multiple lows going back in the, uh, from the end of the month. And it had a trading range before uh, earnings, which was like 51 to 52 and a quarter. Uh, so if you could get, you know, bid back at this area, maybe it tests the high of the move. But uh, after the, the move up from the 40 handle, buyers stepping up, I'll just call it 5110 if you're looking for a target or a place to try long on the downside, BNS. All right. So I'll definitely be watching also the banks to see if they start falling off the tape. The uh, they started coming back to support. They really didn't break down yesterday. I was watching stocks like uh, Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan, also Morgan Stanley. Going to be keeping my close eye on these. I don't know if they can continue going from here. I feel like the rally has gone too far. But, of course, these are the stocks that are in favor with their value names. But let's go ahead. Let's get out of the bank talk. Let's go towards our guest today, none other than David Trainer. Let's get him on. All right, David Trainer, founder and CEO of New Constructs. Welcome back, David. Good to be back. Thanks, guys. All right, I'll go ahead and I'll take a lead right, David, a little bit here. Just got two. All right, Mitch is going to take over the lead. We're going to put I'm Joel in the background that. for a few minutes. Uh, Joel's been having some internet issues, so I'll try to take lead here, David. How you been seeing this rally so far? It seems like you know we're finally starting to run to a little bit of resistance. How do you see the rally? Yeah, look, I think this uh, this bear market rally is running out of steam. Uh, you know, I think these are all really just set up, continue to grift more retail folks out of their hard-earned money as institutions are looking to unload as much as they can in these upward swings because they know that there's a lot more pain yet to come. Look, the Fed is not backing off on interest rates and there are a lot of really bad 
stocks, bad investments that need to unwind before we, we settle at a bottom here. Yeah, it seems like we've been having definitely that rotation where it seems like value names have been the strong names here and growth has been kind of left behind. Do you feel like this can be a prolonged kind of trend that we're seeing here? Absolutely. I mean, look, we've had growth kind of dominate for well over a decade. And I would say, you know, over the last 25 years, growth has dominated for most of the time. And in my experience in meeting with most institutional investors, uh, portfolio managers, hedge fund managers, mutual fund managers, they forgot what real growth is for them. I'm uh, sorry, real value is for them. Value is just maybe a P multiple or, or looking at earnings growth or an ROE number. And all these accounting metrics are no longer reliable. Companies have figured out how to uh, manipulate those numbers. They've been doing it for decades, but they've been doing it much in a much stronger way now. And so the bottom line is that most managers have forgotten how to do the homework, to do the diligence. And that's why I think you see people, big firms like Sequoia Capital, doing things like zero diligence on FTX, right? I mean, it's revealed they didn't do any diligence. Crazy. Yeah, and, and I think investors need to take that as a sign that, you know, it's not just Sequoia. It's almost all money managers are doing no diligence, which is why they invest in what we call zombie stocks or just companies that would make yeah. no money and never have a chance of making money. And yet they were able to command multi-billion dollar valuations over the last several years. I mean, this is the concern here. I mean, you hit the nail on the head saying the due diligence. I mean, even the Ontario's uh, Teachers Fund, you know, invested into FTX, which, you know, this is one of the most sophisticated and, you know, managing, you know, so much money. And, you know, they obviously didn't do the due diligence either. I mean, there was big names invested into this. And, you know, what were they doing? Just looking, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's gone. I mean, this is the kind of market we're in. That, you know, and obviously it's not just the crypto market. There's other companies too. Like you talk about zombie companies, you talk about companies burning cash. I mean, who was buying Carvana at $300 a share? I mean, this is just nobody cared. They were just chasing performance. People were just chasing numbers, trying to beat the other money manager. If that guy's up 50%, I got to get all this risk on because I got to be up 55% to keep my job. So such a tricky market to navigate for money managers when you obviously are trying to beat the indexes or you're trying to beat the next guy and you know you're seeing stocks go up 100 percent, you're like well these don't make sense but i'm gonna lose my job if i don't chase them so now that's the unwinding of all that and how long does that take david i mean this unwinding of this trade we think you know a stock like carvana from 300 to maybe seven maybe the trade's fully unwound but maybe it's not yet we don't think it is I mean, we think carvana goes to zero uh, we think there's, you know, we have like 25 stocks on our zombie stock list. We think they all go to zero. What are some uh, other ones? You know, you can give your opinions here and we're just curious. I'm just curious because Carvana seems like one that I would, you know, say that I think I agree with you possibly, you know, no, we don't know for certain, but it looks like it's on its way to zero. Where are some yeah. other ones on that zombie stock list? I got well, some lists right wanna... here for you. I'll yeah, pull it up we... here at least. Yeah, there's some new ones that we added, but um, Carvana was number one. Peloton was number two. Uh, Snap was number three, I think. Uh, we also got Beyond Meat, wow. Rivian, DoorDash. I mean, come on, DoorDash is not a business. Um, AMC, GameStop. But Dennis, I agree with you 100%. They were chasing performance. Mm -hmm. And I think the answer to your question is, is a little bit of um, it's kind of a tough one, right? Because I don't think it's just about like losing your money here in the near term. How do you break those habits? How do you become a money chaser um, instead of a money manager? Well, that can, you know, that takes kind of mm -hmm. a long time to happen for some people. The real question is how they become money managers again instead of just money chasers and not looking to just keep up with the Joneses in terms of returns, because that's not money management. That's FOMO. That's chasing returns. That's believing in unrealistic returns. And that's not fulfilling fiduciary duties. So what it takes to get people back to recognizing what it takes to fulfill their fiduciary duties, I don't know. But I think it's a long period of sustained pain for people who were not acting in the best interest of either themselves or their stakeholders. Definitely. I mean, uh, it's not only these companies, right? It seems like a lot of companies got the run for the capital in the pandemic. It seems we were just putting out all that liquidity and they jumped right on it. Same thing that happened kind of in the dot-com era, right? It just, we almost created, we create our own bubbles almost with this mentality that we have this infinite, you know, amount of money to just borrow from at low interest rates. And now you've seen it. And and who usually pays the price is the retail trader, usually, as institutions usually get around this moment. Now, with these zombie stocks, 
Is there any one that you feel that is kind of leaning more heavily because of certain kind of fundamentals here so that we can take a look at the stocks? All of the fundamentals are, are really, really bad. I mean, look, Carvana is in the news. I mean, they're, I mean they've got just a few months of, of, uh, of cash flow left. Um, a wow. firm we think is in, is in really bad shape. Uh, I'd have to go back through the reports because really what the, the ones that have the least amount of runway are the ones you, you want to be the most worried about. So I believe it's um, maybe it's Oatly. It has maybe one Oatly. month. Yeah. yeah, Oatly. Our model shows that Oatly has one month of cash on the books to sustain its burn rate. Holy. Oh, and I mean, they're going to be outraising capital. Yeah, and you've got a stock that went from $29 to a buck. I mean... I don't know a lot of stocks that go from 29 to a dollar and then back to 29. I mean, this just doesn't happen. I mean, and this is the problem with so many people, David, and you can, you know, you've been on the markets a long time, but, you know, for people who just started in the last couple of years, they've been rewarded relentlessly by just buying dips and eventually my stock will come back. I mean, there's this mentality here that eventually, you know, Lordstown it's going to go back to, you know, $15, $20, and we're going to get all our money back if I hold long enough. There's this honest belief that, yeah, it's okay. It's at a dollar. Even in Bitcoin, like, you know, and I was, I've told the story before. My friend had, you know, these, uh, or a friend of a friend sold four houses, put it all in Bitcoin. If you talk to him today about, you know, this Bitcoin, and he's down like 70%, sold real money, real houses, put it in, in Bitcoin at 50000 it's down at 15 and he says, it's okay because it's going to a million and I'm going to be worth this when it's a million dollars. I mean, Kathy Wood says it too. So, I mean, it's going to be worth this. So, this is what I'm going to be worth. So, I don't know the path to get there, but I know it's eventually going to a million and I'm going to be worth that. Like my buddy was calling it the soul trade. They believe this with their soul, David. And to break that, you know, and, and this is why the, what the market is doing right now, it's breaking those people. It's breaking those people that believe their Carvana $100 purchase is eventually coming back. It's breaking those people. Um, how long does that take, though? What is the process? And, you know, do these, and you're saying these stocks go to zero. I mean, how do you navigate during this breaking period, David? I think you sell, right? I mean, I you sell. okay, that's a simple you, answer. Good I mean, answer. I mean, what good do you answer. Hold it to zero. I mean, nobody in their right mind believes Bitcoin is going to a million dollars. And, and that's part of the problem is this buy the dip strategy has worked so much that people yes. have additionally unrealistic beliefs that somehow if they just keep doing that, it's always going to work. And, yeah. and, that's, and that's to Mitch's point, like the excess liquidity completely fueled that. And, yeah. and both the White House and the Fed play a role in this moral hazard they that they actively funded. And how long does it take to people to, to relearn a good habit? I mean, it's a lot more than 22 days. I'll tell you that. Uh, but it's. It's, um, you know, it's a tough question to ask. If I had a crystal ball and could tell you when the markets were going to get efficient again, trust me, I would. But I think we've, we've experienced a great deal of, of inefficiency and it's mm -hmm. going to take a long time for it to come back and people are going to have to feel a great deal of pain before they're willing to give up these unrealistic hopes, especially, Dennis, to your point, when they need to believe it. It's not like a soul hope. It's like, I need to believe this or I'm ruined. <laughs> yeah, well, there's truth truth to that, too. I mean, putting all your eggs in one basket, it just goes back to show you in the short term, you know, all this hype and everything, stories can carry stocks. But in the long term, and we said this even in 2020, in the long term, it's valuation that really matters. It's the person that's actually figuring out, you know, and buying stocks and aren't burning cash at this burn rate. I mean, we had this idea that as long as you're growing the top line, the bottom line didn't matter. That was true in 2020. It's definitely not true in 2022. And you grow that top line all you want. If you're burning cash, the way some of these companies that you're pointing out, David, are burning, eventually it's going to be a painful road. That's what a zombie stock is. They're burning tons of cash. They have a limited amount of cash on hand to fuel that, less than 24 months, right? And they have very limited or no prospects for actually ever becoming profitable. I mean, beyond meat, you know terrible business model. They sell ground vegetables, right? As if that's going to somehow be way pro more profitable than people who sell ground beef at a hundred times the scale, right? I mean, it makes no sense. Sweet green, they sell lettuce, um, you know, and, and GameStop and, and AMC, obviously situations there too. And, and, and so, yeah, I mean, Dennis, it's, there's no easy way around this. I just recommend people sell. I recommend they do their diligence. You know, we do have a focus list long, uh, but what's I, that list? Do you have that list? Uh, I, I, yeah, I have, I have, I have that list. I can. Do I can we have that, Mitch? Or? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to pull that up right now okay. here. I wanted David. I, last time you were on, uh, you talked about the home builders, and uh, it was a pretty. Uh, I can't remember which one uh, that you mentioned. Maybe it was Toll Brothers, and you said that you know the way that the stock was being priced, it was like they were never going to sell a house again. I don't know if it was uh, Toll Brothers or Lennar, uh, but the, you know, the housing underpinnings of the economy. Talk about the housing sector. Yeah, I think we're probably talking about Dr. Horton. It's on our focus list long. Uh, okay. and, and I believe it, it is it is outperformed the market. Uh, and, and that's exactly right. To Dennis's point, we believe in valuation. We believe in diligence. We believe in doing the hard work in the footnotes. And Harvard Business School, MIT Sloan have actually written papers showing that we do that better than anybody else. It wasn't popular for a long time. Don't get me wrong. It's becoming a lot more popular now because people realize they need diligence. And when you do that kind of diligence, stocks like Dr. Horton pop up on your screen because you see, oh, my gosh, they're generating tons of cash flow. Yeah. And the valuation implies that their cash flows are going to permanently decline. That's the kind of risk reward that works over the long term. It may not be sexy in the short term, but over the long term, when the company's making more money than the market expects it to make, well, that's what you need to buy. Buy low expectations for cash flows, sell high expectations for cash flows. Zombie stocks have extremely high expectations for cash flows, especially for companies that aren't any, making any cash flow, right? And so our focus list long is the opposite of that. It's the safe. It's the reliable. It's an example of what you see when you do due diligence. It's companies that have money on the bottom line, that care about the bottom line. I mean, that's what always mattered until we got into these crazy 2019, 2020 markets where people were just coming in and throwing money at NFTs and just Don't nothing. be mad at stories. Stories, stories story lead was cool, sometimes. Man. It worked well. Stories it worked lead. well. <laughs> but sometimes... <laughs> There's there, you have to look underneath Story's the end. hood of the story, right? Yeah, the story can only push it for so long. So I don't think story is a bad thing, but it's going to come back. There'll be a time where story is more in, in the focus. But I think that one thing that we need to learn is also how to look underneath the hood. So one thing that I wanted to ask David about that he has on this presentation is months before bankruptcy and how that's a calculation that you guys look at. I think that's something that not a lot of people even calculate or even think about. Yeah, they think about a, a company going towards uh, bankruptcy, but they don't know exactly how long they have. So explain this, that process and how you look underneath the hood to find that out, David. Yeah, I mean, Mitch, you're right. You you want a good story and, and all the zombie stocks have a bad story, right? It's a, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a death ending, we think. Um, but you need story and fundamentals, right? Who said we can't have both? Yeah. Who said we shouldn't have both, right? And so... Um, because fundamentals tell their own story. And whenever when someone's trying to distract you from fundamentals to tell another story, that should be a huge red flag. So months till bankruptcy just takes the amount of cash the company has on its books, short-term, long-term cash, all liquid cash on the books that they could use to fund losses. And then we divide that by their free cash flow burn. So if they've got $2 billion of cash and, and securities on their books and they're burning 500 million bucks a year, that would be four years of cash. All the stocks on the zombie stock list have less than two years of cash. Oatly, as an example, had less than one month of cash. Wow. Right? And that, that chart you're looking at there is from one of our first reports a few, um, several months ago, you know, and, and a couple of those companies have already raised new capital. Carvana had to raise new capital. Fresh Pet had to have some uh, private equity buyers come in. So, you know, what we're seeing is true. Uh, I think Peloton... CEO a few months ago, flat out said that the company had six months left to figure out whether or not it was going to survive. Interestingly enough, they had six months of, of um, a runway until they ran out of cash as well. How much does Peloton have left now? Is it still at six months? Do they do another capital raise? Because the one thing is they can do a capital raise and they can get more runway, but that dilutes equity holders. So it's not it's still not good news for equity holders because you're owning less of the company. No, that's right. And, and it looked good luck trying to get any debt. Right. Because that's a little more expensive than it was back when these guys went public. So I think whatever capital they get is going to be very expensive to existing shareholders. So it's not a good thing if they just learn to survive for longer. The real question is, who wants to be that margin or marginal investor? Right. Why, why do you want to throw your money into the fire? Yeah. And they're running it like that. Right. Who wants to do that? And I think that kind of speaks to your questions, Dennis and Mitch. When will this end? Well, it ends when people decide to stop putting money on fire. And I don't know when that's going to be. That's you should ask, you know, some of your some of you guys, uh, other other contacts. Is that 
we don't understand it. We've been people thought we were crazy for years because right when we put Carvana in the danger zone, it was like I don't know in the teens or something, and then it went up to over a hundred, and now it's back down. So we were wrong before we were right, even though we were kind of always right. Question about when people decide in the way they think for somebody bigger, higher than my pay grade. I think that's definitely something that we're going to have to just keep watch on these companies to see how long they can survive. And it's also going to be, I think, a big factor is how long will it take the Fed to finally pivot, right? Because uh, if they are going to survive, they're definitely going to need these interest rates to probably come back down. So we'll have to wait to see what happens there. David Trainer, appreciate you joining us today. And for the Focus Long list, what I'll do is I'll give you guys uh, the website here and you guys can go to new constructs and check it out yourself. I didn't have it with us today, but I'll make sure that we have it for you next time here. Appreciate you have today coming on David trainer. Thank you. Thanks. Dan. All right. There you go, guys. Now let's take a look into the markets. I'll share my charts. Just give me one second here. We're slipping a little bit uh, on the lows of the pre-market session. So that uh, euphoria you had in the pre-market. Moving in on yesterday's low at 39.60 and a quarter. Uh, not much underneath that. You start to look into the lows from last week. So uh, early gains evaporating here. Uh, no imbalances are in influencing that at all. Uh, but it's just been a slow, steady sell-off. Yeah, the China, the, the nice rally in China, but our markets are just now in this you know, sell-the-rip mentality here, and it's hard to break, too. I mean, people are concerned. Again, it wasn't a great day for the S&P yesterday. Um, we basically failed right where we were five, six days ago, and he almost got a little double top in place too. 402.93 on the SPY, 402.91 from the two previous days. Joel and I do look for those technical formations, and they're not good news when they reverse off of them. Um, so I think you're selling the rep too. I think you know you may be buying dips on certain stocks. Again, I'm going to go with David and say the stocks that I want to be buying the dips are stocks that aren't burning cash. I'm not looking at the dip for Carvana to jump in here. You know, I thought for a couple of days, I'm like, maybe a SoFi, you know, when stocks started to move, you know, maybe we're going to try this one. I tried it, stopped out. You know, Don't stocks are just making new lows, stopped out. So it's, those stocks are just tough to call bottoms in. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things that it's, it's an easy way to look into the market is getting more into that behavior outlook of the market, right? And that theory outlook of being a hero. You don't want to be doing playing the hero in this environment. In an environment where it's the buy the dip mentality, well, then I actually didn't see it as a bad thing in 2020 playing the hero. But in this yeah. environment, it can really be costly playing the hero. Um, we'll see what happens on the spy today. Uh, last co uh, conversations that we can leave off with, uh, there was some uh, silver gate capital news. Definitely keep your eyes on cryptocurrencies. It seems to be shaking things up. Uh, Jeffrey's downgrading Generac today to underperform from hold. Don't know if you guys are long on Generac, oh, but what a disaster story that one. is. Yeah, another one that's coming down really fast, and I don't see it changing around anytime soon. I mean, we're going to get to a point where the stock is just cheap enough. This is not a zombie company. I mean, Generac does make money. You can look up the P in the background while I'm talking if you want, Mitch, but you know, it is a company that. Obviously, is very, very dependent on expansion, not recession. So, trouble is, I've said this before. If you're going into a recession, the first thing you're not buying is a generator for your house. I mean, that's just a luxury item for a lot of people. Um, you know, maybe these little generators. Maybe you're in troubled areas. Maybe you want to have it because your power goes out a lot. There's reasons, but a lot of times it's just a new home builds. So they put them in all the new houses and. If you're seeing a slowdown in the economy, we know the home builders have been hit, but nothing has been hit like this GNRC. I do think GNRC is going to be a buying opportunity at some point in time. I would have it on my shopping list. I think it is a decent value stock, but I am very concerned about recession. As much as I'm concerned about Disney in a recession, I'd be way more concerned about GNRC in a recession. So um, I want to see where we're going. I do believe we're going into recession 2023. And that's why I'm holding off on these purchases, but it would be on my shopping list. Wow. First time under 100 going back to 2020. 
Uh, I mean, the next monthly low, you don't want to hear this if you're long. Your next monthly low comes in, I believe, uh, not even in the 90, uh, 90.30 was your low in May of 29, or May May of 2020. Uh, not much there. They're really pounding it on 23,000 shares. So uh, keep an eye on that pre-market low. It could just be one person just, uh, you know, yakking out a 25,000 share position. Uh, if you're looking for resistance, the uh, top, the bottom of yesterday's range comes in at one double O. Uh, 95, but uh, just an indiscriminate seller here. And it was who was it a downgrade from? Johnny um, come lately is Jeffries. <laughs> Jeffries, yeah, oh, wow, Jeffries, Jeffries man, come lately. Oh, man. Thank you, Jeffries. I don't know. Um, I don't know. We'll see if they use it. The, put an uh, 85 target on it, so uh, not too bad there. I, I, it's not, it's isn't a zombie company, so I would say a stock like GNRC. <laughs> I think if you're buying at 97 and your time horizon is 10 years, same as Disney, I think you'd be happy. If you think we're going to recession next year, why are you buying GNRC and why are you really buying Disney at this point? So I guess it all depends if you think we're going into recession or not. I'm of the belief that the recession hasn't hit yet, but it's still coming. I think eventually people run out of cash and then it starts to hit everything. And that just hasn't happened yet. So yeah, when I look when I look at the, the fundamentals, they're not bad. They're not bad already. So kind of, it's kind of more long. Emails are fine right now, but yeah. cyclical business. So Disney too, to a certain extent. I mean, these are not recession stocks. So I love Disney. 10-year time horizon. I love GNRC too. 10-year time horizon. If you if you just close your eyes, buy 97, put it away for 10 years and don't look at it, I think you'll be happy. But I think you're going to get it cheaper next year. Same reason why I don't want to buy Disney 9,500. And was I buying at 90, half size position? I don't want to miss it. Because what if I'm wrong? I mean, there's always that play, right? Like I'm calling for a recession, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we don't go into a recession. Maybe something else happens. So maybe the consumer just finds more money, continues to find more money. So I want to own something. I just, you know, I don't know GNRC. It's come down so far. I could be talked into it at this price. I'll say that. I could be talked into it at this price. Long, All right, let's go to Apple. Time. Let's take a look at Apple before we get out of here. I'm sure it's going to be on a lot of people's radars uh, as we've been seeing it uh, yesterday. Take the hit with the China mention, the protest. But, of course, that turned around and it said that, you know, China's coming back up. Uh, but now what do you do with Apple? Is this still a sell here? I think it's still a sell, but what do you guys feel? Yeah, we talk about it every day. I had in the long-term portfolio for 10 years. I said it yesterday. Multiple expansion has carried the price on this thing. I think we're going to a period of multiple contraction. Um, the earnings are still there. It's sticky. People want to own their iPhones. But if it really gets hard during a recession next year, it's not the stock you want to own. It is not cheap relative to itself. Traded with P of like 12, 13, five years ago. Now it trades with P of 24 to 25. So basically multiple expansions doubled the price. Um, I've hedged my entire position because... I think there's more pain ahead for Apple. I, if this, and I'm going to look at this to, you know, to uh, point towards the market too, because it's, you know, we've pulling back off the high in the S&P. We pull off the recent high uh, in Apple as well. And I'm looking at this 140 area, at least right now, uh, 139.50 was your low on uh, November 10th. Right now, it doesn't look like that's, you know, an imminent price that we're going to. But uh, if Apple can just somehow develop that, first of all, not get more bad news, not get picked on by anybody. But if it can put a couple lows in this area above this 140, I I no reason for it to you know turn up again. If I keep getting bad news, the S and P start heading for last week's low, then you know you start holding out to you know you can hold out for that 139.50 area. Obviously, 135 has been the major support. So that's what I'm looking at. Apple trading up 36 cents today, getting hit. I mean, there's a, another thing you can look at it, too, is like a lot of bad news, like a lot of bad news, a lot of bad news. Well, it's going down, but it's not getting killed. So. Yeah, but it has really 180 to 144. I think there's a lot more pain ahead. It hasn't been mm -hmm. killed like the other ones because everybody's like, oh, it's Apple. And you own Apple, you don't trade Apple. You know, we hear it from Kramer all the time. And it's been a fantastic call for the last decade or even longer than that. But I just think, like, we've been in this easy, easy period for Apple. I think it gets harder from here. 
So that's why I just don't know why 24, 25, you know, you say you have to pay a premium for Apple. Well, you didn't have to in 2018. So why do you have to in 2022? Are you just making an excuse to buy it? Or is it really need to trade with a premium? I don't know if it does. I think it's a staple. I think it's a cash cow. Until they come out with a flying car, until they come out with a whole new product and diversify themselves away from iPhones, which is over half of the revenue, yep. it's hard to say it's anything more now than a consumer staple. So I'm at this point where I don't think it needs to command such a high PE multiple. You can say, well, Procter Gamble's got 23, 24. But you know what? We go into recession, people still buy Procter Gamble's. They are running out to buy new iPhones in a recession. Maybe not. What just to finish up here, what about uh, deer and uh, cat here? You know, we're talking about these. Uh, Let's yeah, sell them both. Yeah. They're both near all time highs. If we well, go into a recession, these things are going to be value traps. So there's certain stocks, and Toronto Dave made a fantastic point in the chat about 20 minutes ago, 10 minutes ago. And he was saying, just, you know, going and look, just looking at PE, and that's in just buying low PE stocks. And, you know, selling high PE stocks doesn't just work. you got to look deeper into it. Some businesses are cyclical. What that means is their earnings go way up during periods of, re- of expansion, and their earnings come back down during periods of recession. We see it with the steel companies. We will see it with a deer and a cat. These are cyclical businesses. If you believe, and I do, that we are going to a recession eventually, a Fed-induced recession by the rising interest rates, eventually this run to low PE stocks like Deer and Caterpillar will end in tears. So as much as Kramer was saying buy Deer yesterday at all-time highs, I will tell you, in my opinion, you sell Deer now because I think the run has been ridiculous. I think everybody's just attracted to it because it has a low PE. If we do go into recession, there's going to be less farming equipment sold next year. So maybe we're, I'm wrong with the recession call, and maybe the Fed's going to navigate this soft landing, even though I don't know if they've ever done it before, but maybe they're going to do it. But the recession, it's not like we didn't go into recession. You've been wrong, Dennis. Uh, I think it's just the fact that you know we just haven't got there yet. I think people have stretched themselves thinner. The consumer is still not completely strapped for cash. They're sitting on a lot of equity from their homes. They're sitting obviously on you know still some of their savings are exhausted, um, but they're racking up the credit card debt takes time to break the consumer and that's what we're seeing here now but i think eventually we do that i think eventually businesses struggle i think eventually we go into recession i don't want to own deer or cat drug stocks completely different type of pe so drug stocks which have similar pe's to deer and caterpillar are not cyclical businesses why because people still take their pills still need their drugs they need their drugs even if they can't they'll find the money for their drugs they may not find their their money for their new john deere rider but they'll find their money for their pills. That's why stocks like UNH have a relentless bid. That's why stocks like Merck and Pfizer have started to come back and AbbVie are making new all-time highs. It's these stocks that will hold up during recession, especially if they have lower PEs. All right, I'm going to hop. Let's make sure uh, we defend uh, that low from yesterday, uh, 39.60 and a quarter. Uh, everyone have a good day. Back with you later on. All right, we'll see what else is going on there. You guys can follow Joel Elkanen on premarketprep.com, premarketprep plus, and we'll go ahead and wrap it up. We'll see what happens today. Dennis, can we get yeah. a bounce back? I I still feel like, you know, we've been saying for a while that the path of least resistance to the upside. I think that statement for me at least is slowly starting to die out. It's, I don't think it's the the path of least resistance no longer it's to the upside. I think now it's kind of more in the chop zone. At I least think so I too. And I do think I, that the, I think when we look long, long term, 10 years, you know, I think you can be buying some stocks. But if your time horizon is 18 months, yeah, I don't think you're buying anything because I think 2023 and people don't want to hear this. They want to hear that we're going to get all our money back in 2023. I don't think that is happening. I'm just of the opinion that it's going to get uglier here yet. So I want to own some stocks in case I'm wrong, but I want to have a lot of cash in case I'm right. All right. We'll see what's going on there. I'll be watching this spy trend line. I've been looking to see if we're going to run into it on pullbacks. That's why I'm stating that 392, 393 area because it would run right into that. But you guys know I like my technicals. I'll get you out of here, Dennis. You have a good one. Do what you do best, my friend. We'll get into some trading action. Have fun. See you next time.
All right, there you go. We'll get you out of here. We'll get you now to Benzinga Live. Of course, uh, you guys want to come over to Benzinga TV where we do some live trading. Got Benzinga Live with AB and Stock Market Movers. Excited to get into some trading action. We should have Lord Ryan back. Zunaid and I ready to get into the markets. We'll see what's going on. And I do want to address something that was stated in the chat. Someone got a timeout for a certain reason, uh, stating that, you know, talking about SPACs and NFTs and crypto. And one of the things that I would state there is that a lot of people don't understand that there's opportunities that sometimes you got to take some profit, right? I feel like in the SPAC situation, right? Yes, it was a capital reach. It was a bubble. But a lot of people were able to make and generate a lot of wealth in these specs, the key was taking profits, right? And so if there's anything that I've learned is that these bubbles will come just like the meme stocks. And if you didn't take your profits, well, you learn your lesson, right? And I think that in this case, we can't be looking at SPACs and let's say crypto as so negative because of where it is now in present moment, but look back and look at the opportunities, right? You had your opportunity. Sometimes you miss your shot, and you miss the investment. Well, that also happens. And another thing to understand is that the buy and hold strategy makes sense for certain stocks. Certain stocks that have high risk are not going to be probably the best in the long term for the hold, uh, the buy and hold strategy. This is something that is, yeah, talked about often. But at the same time, that's not always the best strategy, just buy and hold, right? And so one thing I'll do is just kind of state that because I feel like too many times people just want to be negative towards these different investment vehicles. And the big reason of that is where they are today versus where they were a year ago or, or beyond that, right? And so we need to learn from these lessons, not necessarily just be the Debbie Downer. Well, just wanted to state that so that you guys can keep moving forward. Hit the thumbs up if you guys appreciate everything we do for you right here on Benzinga. We'll keep you going with Benzinga TV up next.